This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, everyone. If you like this podcast, go behind the paywall to get privileged access to the smartest minds in finance. Visit realvision.com slash rvpod and use the promo code podcast10. That's podcast10 to get 10% off our essential membership for the first year. Join the Real Vision community and learn how to become a better investor. And now to the top analysis of today's markets. Who's winning the AI race? Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. With me today is David Matten, founder of New World, Same Humans. Hi, David. It's great to see you. Maggie, hi. How are you? It's great to be back. I'm feeling better because it's Friday, but we, we, got, a, we got a lot to cover. And um, I want, we want to talk a little bit about AI. Uh, we, we're ha- more than halfway through the U.S. session, and it looks like it's going to be another losing week for U.S. equities. Uh, they've been contending, of course, with Uh, rising yields on treasuries and some volatility there, concerns about China. But, you know, underneath it all has been this sort of ongoing worry about tech valuations, about valuations in general, but especially about tech valuations, which soared this year on the back of a lot of enthusiasm around AI and a lot of people wondering whether that's run its course or if we're still in the early innings. So I just wanted to, we wanted to sort of, you know, take a step back and just get a view of the landscape, because you really live at this intersection of what's happening with technology um, and these massive transformational changes. And I know you're watching the AI space closely. So where are we in terms of what companies are making the most progress when it comes to positioning themselves for this massive opportunity? Kind of give us an update of what's going on. Yeah, I mean, I think fundamentally where we're at is just a scramble among the big technology players to lead this space and to own it. And we can all see that Microsoft took an early lead. I mean, Microsoft are partnering with OpenAI. OpenAI have the slam dunk most exciting um, large language model right now and the slam dunk kind of product right now, which is ChatGPT. And Microsoft are their their partners. Really interesting news this week, though, uh, coming out of Alphabet. I mean, earlier in the year, a lot of, you know, there was a lot of intrigue around what was going on inside Alphabet because it took its two big famous AI divisions. One is Google Brain, one is DeepMind, and it just merged them. It just kind of threw them together instantly. And the news coming out of Alphabet now is that it is about to launch a set of large language models called Gemini, and that they're going to be kind of the largest, most cutting edge, most multimodal large language models out there. So not only will they produce text outputs, but they'll produce images, um, they'll produce graphics, they'll allow you to control software by voice command. And what this is clearly is just the big play to go head to head with OpenAI and Microsoft. 
to be the leaders in this space. And it's just going to be fascinating to watch that play out. I mean, it's going to be a case study for the ages inside business schools as to how Google lost the lead when it comes to this incredible generative AI revolution. Because don't forget that the research paper that kicked this whole thing off, that invented the transformer model that underpins generative AI, that research paper came out of Google. That was Google researchers. Tension is all you need. It's that iconic research paper that kicked this whole moment off. And somehow they lost that momentum. They lost that lead to Microsoft and OpenAI, and they are going full out to get it back. And it's just going to be a fascinating, it's going to be a fascinating few, few months because that's how quickly it moves watching that play out. In the meantime, you have Meta um, launching its big new large language model, Llama 2, uh, and partnering with, guess who, Microsoft to open source that, to bring that to market, to allow developers to build on top of that. They report for free. There are some reports that it's going to be a little more complex than that, but they're, they're essentially saying build on top of our large language model for free. If you want to build on top of the OpenAI, I large language model, which is GPT-4, that costs you money. They're saying you can do it for free. We're partnering with Microsoft to bring you that. I think there must have been some very awkward conversations around the table between Microsoft yeah. and OpenAI when they very launched this weird. big partnership with Meta. The whole thing is very weird bedfellows on that yeah. front, isn't it? But is there a sense, first of all, super interesting, super interesting to hear that about Google. But, you know, they their hope for people who who know Google and who've been following it, Apple, I should say, but this is it really goes back to the Google days. They have that whole Project X. I had a fascinating conversation with a guy who ran it one time, came in and gave us all a briefing. They, they, that's what they do, like the Hyperloop, half the stuff that Elon said, pretty much all of the stuff out there, a lot of it comes originally from the researchers at Google, right? Because they have that, like, break it, break it, break it, and then yeah. let's see how far it can go, that culture of sort of, trying to see if they could get it to fail. And sometimes it goes really far. And then they just say, oh, there's not a market. We're not going to bring it. And then they let it go out into the universe. Right. So it sounds like that's maybe what happened in that case. Yeah. Um, can they, before we talk about Zuck, can they catch up? I mean, it seems like with, what's the barometer for success for, for catching up? So they've got the money. They also have a lot of data, don't they? Yeah, I mean, that that's, yes, they can catch up is, I think, you know, they have every chance of catching up and taking the lead because look, they have a whole, they have the world's best data set, you know, 8 billion and rising Google searches a day. And don't forget, you know, every single YouTube video in existence, yes. uh, they, they've trained Gemini, this new, this new multimodal large language model on a whole ton of of um, YouTube videos. So it's going to be, you know, bets are it's going to be text to video as well. You will be able to type a text prompt and generate a video um, or type a text prompt and generate music for, you know, this kind of video. You know, I'm creating a marketing video for a badger farm. I want music for that. Give me some music and it will it will be able to do that because it's trained on like a billion YouTube videos. So they have all the data and then don't forget they have instant deployment across Number one, search, obviously, uh, and number two, you know, a suite of tools, Google Documents, the whole lot. They can just throw it into those tools used by billions of people kind of instantly if they want. I mean, OK, Microsoft have Microsoft Office. You know, they can throw the open AI tools into Microsoft Office and they've kind of been experimenting with that. 
But yeah, Google can definitely take the lead back if they play this right. But but you're absolutely right. They kind of have a history of, of, of yeah, incredible moonshot technologies, incredible R&D that they struggle to sort of commercialize. I mean, you saw it with self-drive yeah. as well, mm-hmm. which has been a thorny, you know, diff- a more difficult problem to solve than we than we thought that we are now getting there. That's a whole other conversation. But yeah, they they did they they took an early lead there, and it it it's felt that that early lead has dissipated. You know, when we talk self drive now, we don't just talk about Waymo. Um, yeah. <laughs> so what? yeah, you know, it's gonna be yeah. it's gonna be deeply interesting. But like you say, you know, incestuous is the right word. It's 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 becoming deeply overlapping and deeply incestuous, and and it's just a powerful insight into the way the evolution of these technologies stresses the nature of the competitive market-driven system. You know, these huge organizations are on paper in, you know, intense, deep, perpetual market-driven war with one another, but they are also now deeply reliant on and intertwined with one another. You know, if you're an alien looking at this from space, it's a very strange system we're running um, to push our technology forward. You know, do they hate each other or do they love each other? It's sort of a bit of both. Do they need each other? Yeah, they need each other. <laughs> that may be the answer to those. They yeah. may, the answer may be yes, yes, but they need each other. So they've got to. So it's interesting because um, I think it was just today, uh, Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella, who has, to be fair, always been focused on AI. I mean, the, the, every time I interviewed him, we had to talk about Cortana. You know, like the, he was always thinking about this, which is prob- probably why they were able to seize on the commercial. But um, he's saying AI is as big a tidal wave as the internet, referencing a memo that Bill Gates wrote back in 1995. So there is a sense that this is going to eclipse that. Can they build a moat around these business models. So we're looking at, we didn't even talk about Apple, but we can. So Facebook's kind of figuring its way out. It sounds like, can these businesses build a moat around it? Or based on what you just said about kind of being in bed with each other and having to rely on each other, is it going to be harder than it was in the internet? And a lot of people were unhappy with the way that they were able to own the internet, by the way. So there's that recognition as well. Are those business models, those revenues going to be able to be moated because of their advantage of AI? Or is it not going to be that simple this time around? It's it's certainly not simple. Um, it's certainly not simple, but I think there is something of a moat to be built around having the largest, most sophisticated, most powerful um, models out there. You know, whether they're whether they're text to text like chat GPT or text to video or text to image, whatever it is, you know, there's going to be a position to be built around having the cutting edge, most sophisticated, most powerful multimodal model. And only a handful of huge technology companies have the kind of resources and the compute power that you need to train that. Um, and and if you if you do that and you build a lead, you can build a moat there. But there will be an incredible long tail of much smaller, much more domain specific models um, that less resourced organizations can build, that startups can build. And there'll be a huge amount of play and innovation there too. I mean, you don't always need, you know, you don't always you don't always need the Ferrari. Sometimes you just you know, it makes no difference whether you're, <laughs> it, sometimes it makes no difference whether you're, you know, whether you've got 
a swimming pool the size of an ocean or the, a swimming pool the size of your back garden. You know, if you just I, I like how you were swim. struggling to find another car brand other than Ferrari, David, which might give us a little peek into your fancy lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll name off any of the very pedestrian cars I have. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, it, it, there's going to there's going to be a lot of play in the long tail, but yeah. I don't. I don't think it's true that there's no possible moat. I think you, you can build a lead here uh, uh, and build a moat around that. And a lot of people are going to want to build on top of the most powerful, most sophisticated model. And that model becomes essentially a form of infrastructure. It becomes a sort of something akin, as I've said so often before, to, to electricity, to a new form of energy. If you're the supplier of intelligence to... Uh, you know, a million other developers building on top of your model. And that's what we're seeing with GPT-4 right now. You know, there's a whole st ton of startups that are just, they're building a wrapper. You know, I know we're using that word a lot these days and it's questionable. They're building a wrapper around GPT-4 to make it easier to use, to make it do something specific. If you're the technology at the heart of that, right now it's GPT-4, but it doesn't, doesn't have to stay that way. That's a, that's a powerful place to be. Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Uh, which is which is contrary to, you know, some of the other ideas out there that, you know, we can't moat this. So that's that's super interesting. And of course, raises so many other questions that we're not going to get to today, but I know that you're diving in, in into it um, on a regular basis on on the shows that we do on the platform yeah. because there are regulatory issues, there's societal issues, yeah. there's military geopolitical implications from that sort of that concentration of power. I wonder, um, so, so that's the sort of development side of that. On the other side, it's kind of the receiving the football side um, of it, which is adoption. And that's the part that's sort of, I think, touching a lot of us, certainly from a worker's point of view. We had a fantastic discussion on our platform between Jordi Visser and Sultan Megji. And they talked about the decisions facing executives right now. Let's have a listen to that. At the end of the day, the most effective companies, the companies that are going to make up the most, you know, the, the highest revenue businesses, the largest market cap, you know, these mega cap companies, they're not going to be companies that restrict AI. They're going to be companies that give agency to the people in their offices to go off and, and be creative and be explore and find ways to make their, you know, make their jobs better. And the companies that understand that AI is going to be the fastest accelerator to that kind of value creation are the ones that I get interested in, that I want to invest in. And the ones that don't are the ones I'm going to avoid, frankly. And I think, you know, as we think about building, whether it's, you know, investment theses moving forward, companies to look at, or, you know, what the, comp the composition of the S&P 500 looks like a few years from now, I think this becomes a, a fundamental uh, pivot point for a lot of these companies. You either embrace it and make it part of your daily life, 
or you start looking, you know, start looking elsewhere because you're you're end up you're going to end up losing all your best people, and therefore you're going to lose the ability to be innovative and drive value. I mean, the the amount of knowledge that that guy has is is incredible. You should listen to his bio. Um, for those of you. I, I highly recommend it. Um, I mean, he's touched so many parts of tech. That full interview is on the platform, as are some really fascinating conversations with the executives in charge of digital and Web3 brand build out at Adidas, Starbucks, Lacoste. We have this whole series going. Really, really interesting, interesting about how these companies are sort of forward positioning themselves. Um, check check them all out uh, because I think they, they have real valuation implications. Um, as you know, we've closed the site to new members if you're look, watching on YouTube or listening on YouTube, but there is a wait list to get on it. Uh, just scan the QR code and it'll it'll lead you down that path. So um, David, I thought what they were saying was very interesting. So again, like we're thinking about how it's going to impact us as workers, but these executives are figuring out what they need to spend, how quickly they need to spend, how they're going to deploy it. And Jordi and Sultan were talking about the fact that possibly as much as 40% of the current S&P 500 are going to potentially swap out or disappear if companies don't embrace this technology. I mean, that's how how important they feel like it's going to be to, to survival of companies. I mean, that sounds like a really big number, but is it that important to get that right? And how quickly, what should we be listening to? I mean, should we be zoning in on this and earnings calls to figure out what companies are doing with AI to determine whether they're going to remain competitive? Yes, I think so. I mean, I I, I think it, it would be worrying if an organization wasn't thinking deeply about that. Um, I mean, fascinating to look at, for example, McKinsey just a couple of days ago announcing their specialist large language model, essentially their specialist AI that they call Lily. They've trained it on, you know, hundreds of thousands of internal documents and videos and presentations. And now this is essentially an AI companion that every single McKinsey consultant will have access to 24-7, you know, whenever they like to ask questions, to give them guidance, to help generate work for them that they can then edit. It's just a constant virtual companion for every single consultant inside McKinsey. Now we'll get to see how that plays out and and how and whether it supercharges the productivity of McKinsey consultants. Yeah, it, My efficacy guess is matters though, right? Because everyone's talking about it on conference calls. I think this is what's difficult for investors. Everyone's saying my AI strategy because they know if they don't, well, they know it'll pop their stock. And if right. they don't talk about it, it'll push it down. Trying to determine who's doing it right is a totally different story though, isn't it? It's yeah, and there's no easy answers to that right now because we're in such an experimental phase. I think you 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 have to be you have to be looking closely at at at, at what they're talking about, at the credibility of the people they're bringing in to lead these AI strategies. You know that's hugely important, and, and then we just we have to watch it play out. Uh, it's very hard to conceptualize right now the impact of AI of this AI moment on on the real economy and on sort of billions of knowledge workers. But I think it's going to have a profound effect and some of them will be deeply surprising. I mean, you know, across the life sciences, what it's going to do to drug discovery, um, to healthcare, you know, to the way we access healthcare. It, it, it's go, as Rao says, it's going to be hugely deflationary. It's going to change productivity. It's going to change the nature of productivity and the nature of, it's going to change headcount inside organizations. Um, it's, it's, it's just too early to say how you get that right and, and what the best use is 
yeah. end up being. Yeah, because there's a lot of disruptive change maybe before the payoff. By the way, the, the name of the, the, the title of that conversation they had was From Scarcity to Abundance. Um, and they talked about energy too in that with Sultan and, and Jordi. So super, super interesting and big implications. So in order for this technology to work though, we need chips, right? right. NVIDIA reports earnings next week. It's going to be monster for the market because so many people, even people who are convinced equities are going much lower are scared to short NVIDIA. Like everyone is just, uh, just very, very nervous about that juggernaut because everything you think, every time people think they're not going to deliver, they do partly because of what you're talking about, but you're closely watching something that's going to be really important to all the chip makers. And that's the latest moves from the Biden administration. It's been a really busy week. So some of this kind of, you know, maybe fell to the back burner, especially when we had natural disasters hogging up all the headlines, rightly so. But what, what do we what do we need to be paying attention to in terms of what's happening on that front? Yeah, I mean, I think we're seeing the, the most incredible moves from the Biden administration um, when it comes to the AI race and when it comes to the, the compute race. I mean, you know, we're talking about who's winning the AI race. We're in a race to 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 own more advanced artificial intelligence. We're in a race ultimately towards super intelligence. And who has the lead? I mean, at the moment, I think most people would agree, you know, it's between the US, if we're talking geopolitically, it's between the US and China. China are a step behind, but only a step. You know, uh, they have a slight edge on the amount of research papers coming out. They have a they have an incredible domestic kind of talent when it comes to AI. But look, the most advanced models are coming out of the US right now. Um, the US has control of compute power, and we'll get to that in a moment, Why crucial? how crucial that is. And a lot of Chinese talent comes over to the US. What we're seeing now from the Biden administration, I mean, a, a few weeks, a few couple of weeks ago, essentially, Biden signed an order that bans the investment in domestic Chinese advanced chip and AI chip industries and bans the sale of those kinds of chips to China. So, you know, most startlingly, the NVIDIA um, A100 GPU, that's the chip that trains these huge large language models like GPT-4. The, the sale of that is banned now to China, and he's weighing in the balance further moves in that direction you know, further moves to, to ban the investment or sale of advanced chip technology and AI technology to China. He's persuaded um, other big players. I mean, the Dutch huge chip um, technology manufacturer, ASML, and he's persuaded Taiwan as well, probably a bit easier to persuade them to go along with this. That is an incredible moment. That is a, that, that amounts to steps taken to, to just cripple China's uh, advance in the AI race to cripple it essentially technologically. And then what you're talking about is, is, is slowing it down dramatically in terms of science, in terms of innovation, in terms of economic growth. That is a huge geopolitical moment. I mean, there are people out there saying this is as significant a moment geopolitically as the war in Ukraine. And I have to say, I completely agree. Uh, it, it, it's just an incredible indicator of the way compute power has become a fundamental, perhaps the most fundamental geopolitical issue, how it's going to reshape the kind of world order, the geopolitical order, and how, you know, points of tension like Taiwan are going to arise out of that. We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on The Real Vision Daily Briefing. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, and and you, you guys had a terrific uh, spaces on that, Twitter spaces on that, which you can still find uh, talking about yeah, that was some of the... Yeah, some of the the sort of intersection of geopolitics and AI right now. Uh, Ed saying most people don't know how deep Tesla is in real world AI. We, we didn't we didn't touch on that when we were talking about some of the the sort of arms race with the mega caps. How are you thinking about Tesla in relation to yeah, AI? Yeah, I mean he's absolutely right. You know, I mean it, it's often said you know Tesla they're not they're not a car company. Um, they're a, they're an AI company. Um, and more specifically, and I think this is the part that isn't perhaps understood quite so well, they're a machine vision company. Tesla has incredible machine vision technology, and you've got 160,000 Teslas driving around now with their kind of full self-drive technology. It's not quite full self-drive, but it's, it's approaching it, um, collecting huge amounts of data from the open road, from open streets, that they're using to refine and refine and refine what is essentially the world's leading machine vision AI. And then at the same time, they're developing the Optimus robot, you know, this humanoid robot that they want to be in, you know, like every factory and fulfillment center around the world. And it will run on exactly the same machine vision technology. And then they have Dojo, the world's sixth most powerful supercomputer. Sixth most powerful supercomputer is inside Tesla. It's it's almost certainly by orders of magnitude, the most powerful, fastest supercomputer for the specialist task it's designed for, which is machine vision. So what you have in Tesla is a company determined to own this incredible marriage that we're seeing emerging of bits and atoms. We're weaving information and we're weaving intelligence through the physical world in this incredible new way. And that's manifesting as autonomous vehicles that can drive themselves, robots that can walk around themselves, you know, and those two things will talk to each other. And Tesla's long-term strategy, in my view, is an incredible one. And it's to own that marriage, to be the leaders in that marriage. We are the people who give you the intelligence that allows objects to navigate themselves around the physical environment. That is what Tesla is ultimately doing. And cars and robots and the rest and trucks are just different dimensions of that incredible strategy. So yeah, incredibly exciting, incredibly exciting organization. I mean, Elon Musk, of course, so divisive. And look, do I love, do I love a lot, you know, half the stuff he says? And is he abrasive? You know, yes, very much so. But it's it's important to try to divorce your feelings about Elon Musk, whatever they happen to be, from what we can see happening inside Tesla. And by the way, what we can see happening inside Tesla is mostly driven by the incredible brains in there. Um, yeah. So, you know, don't it, get hung up on Musk. It, it's, it's, it, it's, well, it's, it's funny because it goes both ways, though, right? So people who are Tesla bulls are also basically just Elon Musk bulls. I mean, it's been. Can you explain a little bit when you say machine vision? What do you mean? You, I, I think you just did. But what what does that mean? Is it that because when people think of I'm thinking robots in factories and then driving cars like, you know, I'm not sure how they fit together. What do you mean by machine vision? Like, what would that mean to the average person? What does Elon Musk see that we don't? 
Yeah, it, it, machine vision, by machine vision, I just mean the artificial intelligence that that is able to navigate, you know, a physical object, whether that's a car or a right. truck or a okay. robot. As opposed to like getting online and being able yeah. to use it yeah. to, to do something. Okay. Around an, and, and navigate it in real time around an unstructured physical environment. You know, not not a track that you've kind of designed for it, that it know, then you can program it to do that. But just to walk around in the wild, in the world out there by itself, like that, that's something obviously we take for granted, but it turns out that there's a huge amount of cognitive load in that task. It's far harder to solve for that than it is for like pure informational abstracted or many pure informational abstracted tasks. Figure it, getting something to just be able to walk around out there by itself or drive around out there by itself is incredibly difficult. But if you if you if you solve for that and if you become the leader in that and you kind of own that, that is just an incredibly powerful place to be because we're 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 going to emerge into a world of automated objects walking themselves around our environment. And if you supply the intelligence that makes that possible, that is just an insane position to be in. Such a such an interesting and different way to think about Tesla um, when you when you look at it through that. And let's for, let's not let's remember it's not just tesla it's tesla it's x it's spacex which just reported their financials today right. by the way for people they finally got a peek uh i think it was the wall street journal or someone got a peek inside that that um uh peter said i think that maybe that answered your question peter he was saying what tech do you see following chat gpt and any idea on time frames I'm, I'm not sure what you meant by that but i think I think maybe David just gave you a pretty good answer about machine learning or machine vision rather, not machine learning. Machine machine vision. vision. Yeah, machine vision for sure, you know, <clears throat> is a is a huge one. And also like like I touched on a little bit with Gemini, you know, the, the next wave of these of these models are going to be truly multimodal. So, you know, in simple terms, you're going to be able to sit at the prompt line and say, give, you know, answer this question like you can with Chat GPT, but also, you know, create some music for me, create a video for me, create a PowerPoint for me. Um, it's going to be much more multi-dimensional than ChatGPT is right now, and that's coming soon. You know, what, one thing, and 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 I I don't know um, if you're following this at all, but as all of this power uh, moves forward about what you can do, we're still kind of the the kind of hardware and the way we interact with computers is kind of static. Remember, we used to have conversations all the time about wearables and how it was going to how we were going to be. Um, able to communicate. And I know voice, there was a lot of hope for voice, but what that looks like, are there people working on that? Um, I would think that it's got to get better than it is now sitting in front of a PC or even our phone. I mean, it's starting to feel not like the sci-fi yeah. stuff that we see that you think is going to move along with with that compute power. Yeah. I mean, we just, we, we just went through a huge hype cycle with this and now everyone's sort of somewhat kind of burned and cynical about it because, you know, the big answer to that is going to be an immersive internet, an internet that you can step inside what we used to call the metaverse. Though, so, you know, I think we're all okay uh -huh. if that word is kind of dead and buried, right? But, but it's going to be augmented reality, immersive worlds that, over, that, that, that lay, put a digital layer over the physical environment so that, you know, you're no longer kind of looking at a screen like this and they will, you know, this this kind of hardware will come will become lighter and lighter and lighter and easier and easier to wear. You know, this is boring stuff about how how easy is it to put on right now, putting on the kind of Quest 2 headset is just a hassle, you know, and it's not comfortable. 
it's not comfortable, but eventually we'll get there. Um, and that will be the next iteration of the internet. The internet is going to move beyond screens. And this taps back to what I was saying about Tesla. Like, look, fundamentally, my framework for, for the exponential age and for, for the, you know, the next, the incredible next decade or two that we're about to see is just this deep merging of the physical and the informational. We're building this unified physical informational sphere. We're weaving information through the world around us um, so that the two, the two just merge. Um, that is at the heart of the exponential age and kind of immersive environments and what we were calling the metaverse is a huge dimension of that. But it does strike me, uh, David, that um, that that hardware is a big it's going to be as important as everything else. Right. It's kind of like uh, the bridge to get you there. So whoever wins that hardware. It's huge. It's absolutely huge. And it, it is it's it's the really difficult challenge. And and until you can get uh, you know, fundamentally, like day to day to day, can I be bothered with that kind of experience until this thing is like a pair of glasses like this it's, that I can put right. on that easily? It's going to be. But whoever whoever cracks that is yeah. like that's that's huge. That's that's. But it's going to you know. But that's you know. But the Zuck is trying to get there, and everyone's like flaming him for spending billions and billions of dollars on it. But it's going to cost that much, and someone's going to get there, and it's going to be huge, like you say. So it's it's not yeah. stupid to spend that no, money figuring this out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's risky, but you know, I mean, yeah. Amazing. You only live uh, once. <laughs> David, this was such a fascinating conversation and it's so important for anyone who's holding any kind of tech stocks to try to figure out what's hype, what's real and stay up with the latest because it's moving so quickly. So we so appreciate you coming on and sharing your thoughts with us today. Thank you so much. I just always love coming on. It's great to see you. We'll have you back again. Thanks so much. Thanks to all of you. Have a great weekend. Take care and good luck out there. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest, and biggest names in finance. 